Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast. All the time I know, plant your love and let it grow. I love the little window between the big holiday of Christmas and New Year's. And it's a time where, you know, we do tend to look toward goals and, and what is it that we want to bring into this new year. I have also found it super powerful to spend a little time thinking about what do I not want to drag into the new year with me. And so I'm going to talk today a bit about the power of release. And I hope that it's a little bit of a, of a run-up to the really fabulous burning bowl ceremony that Reverend Jane will lead on New Year's Eve. Now, when I'm talking about release, I am not just talking about all the dorky gifts we might have been given that we're going to re-gift to others. <laughs> And I'm not even talking about um, things that we tend to think about with resolutions, like old habits or, or, or excess weight, the things that we might resolve to uh, let go of in the new year. I'm going to talk a little bit more about beliefs. Beliefs, and to Dick's point, our way of thinking about things. This is, we, are, we are stepping, guys, not only into a new year. We are stepping into a whole new decade. And I don't know about you, but I am more than ready to put 2019 in the rearview mirror and step into this whole new phase. So it's a perfect time to be thinking about release. One of Unity's foundational teachings is based on 12 spiritual powers, which includes things like love and faith and wisdom, strength. It also includes release. Unity actually views release as an important spiritual power. As some of you may know, <clears throat> my life pretty well turned upside down about five years ago. And um, uh, anyone who's interested in the story, I did a TEDx talk about it. But that whole process really became an exercise in one release after another after another. And I remember journaling at some point about a, about a year into it. I was super excited about the learning that was taking place. Now, five years later, I am most excited about the unlearning that took place in, in those many years. Harnessing the power of release, and this time of year is perfect for that, I think is a little bit like cleaning out the closets in our minds. We think of spring as a perfect time to deep clean the house or the yard or the garden. I think winter is a fantastic time to sort of clean all the, the old dead growth out of the gardens of our consciousness. And when we do that, we create, we till the soil in a sacred space that can allow truth to grow there. One of the areas I think that's most powerful to think about are the beliefs we hold about how life works. By the time we're little kids, we start taking on all this programming. It's what the adults in our lives tell us. It's even when we get into fisticuffs with other little kids, what that tells us. We start layering on programming. And that actually creates the picture of how we see the world. A couple of years ago, I was doing, I was in a workshop, lots of us in this room do a lot of workshops, and um, I was doing a variation on an exercise that probably many of us have done many times. In the one column, I was putting 
the things that I believe to be my strengths and my talents, and in the other column I was putting, you know, the things that I feel I ought to work on. And we tend to focus a lot on that column, the things that we want to work on. But this particular time, I got really interested in what I had put in my strengths column. My whole life, when I'd done an exercise like that, I had always put, I'm strong, and I'm tough, and I'm resilient, and I am all of those things. But this day, I was so busted down, I was so worn out, I started asking, why are those always in that column? And what it revealed to me was, I identified with those things because I was believing life is hard, I gotta work hard at it, it's gonna kick me, but I'm not gonna let it keep me down. And when I saw into my core beliefs that day, I almost started crying because I was just so tired of fighting my way through life all the time. I just as easily could have put in that column, I attract all kinds of help, unasked for even. I f resources flow to me that I haven't worked for. I could just as well have put that. So this is a really beautiful time of quiet, reflective space to look at what are, the, what are the stories we tell ourselves about how this challenging and beautiful mystery called life really works. Charles Fillmore, one of the founders of Unity, uh, taught that the beliefs that we and our ancestors hold become thought currents that are so powerful the only way to really break free of them is to have a resolute decision not to entertain them anymore. And this, I believe, is partly what Unity's really powerful practice of denial and affirmation is based on. And denial is not just la, 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 or, you know, head in the sand. Unity's version of denial is super powerful. It's, not, it's also not saying there's not a reality of a circumstance. You know, I have $20 in my checking account. It's not saying I'm just going to magically add a few zeros and pretend I don't. But what it is saying is I deny the power of that circumstance to keep me back. And I deny that there's only one version of reality to that circumstance. It's a really beautiful way when we start to notice old beliefs. We can release. We can just deny that they have any more power to dictate the view of the world that we see. Another really powerful, um, this might be especially useful to think about going into that burning bowl ceremony. Who is it that you're not forgiving right now? Who is it that you may be holding resentment? A current person, a past current person, a grievance that you might be holding. And I want to say that forgiveness, I don't believe, is, it's not about saying what you did was okay. It's about saying I'm taking my power back from that circumstance. When I was in the depth of my dark night of the soul experience, my hatred was so strong, I could not believe it. If I, there were a handful of reporters and political opponents that if I could have run them down with a car, I would have. I, 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 I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm blunt and honest. I fantasized about them being exposed for being pedophiles because I wanted them to hurt the way I was being hurt. 
having seen that in myself put me on a powerful trajectory of facing my own shadow, to be sure. But it was literally eating me alive. It was costing me sleep and God knows how many moments and hours of peace. And that's when I really brought home for myself the truth in that old statement that being unforgiving or holding hatred towards someone is like drinking rat poison expecting that person to die. That is what I was doing. And I started working a lot at that time with A Course in Miracles, which has transformed my life in miraculous ways. And I also, at that time, worked with a beautiful book, The Book of Forgiving, by Desmond Tutu and his daughter, Mufo. And both of those teachings, um, they drive home the point that the most important first step in forgiveness is being willing and I had been telling myself for months, I'm willing. I'm, I'm, having, I'm willing. I'm having a hard... But then I had the insight, I wasn't really willing. Because if I let the bad guys off the hook, did that mean I was on the hook for the mess ricocheting through my life? And I did not like how that felt. I realized in that moment, I would never before in my life have said... I view myself as a victim. That is exactly what I was doing in that moment. I was attached to having been victimized by the situation. I actually now believe, and I still have forgiveness challenges. Oh man, me and my little brother. Um, I work on this on a daily basis. And I believe now anywhere where we are holding unforgiveness, where we are, whether it's for someone currently in our life, or someone that's maybe no longer even in this physical realm, it's when we are attaching to a state of victimhood. So going into this new year, that's a place to, that's a place to, to look at the power of release. I think that releasing resentment and hatred toward others is one of the most, I have experienced it as one of the most self-empowering steps we can take. And if you think about it, if we could all do it, it would heal our world. The last piece of release that I will talk about, um, my talk today was titled, Please Release Me, Let Me Grow. Um, and this is probably the most challenging, and it's the ability to release our familiar sense of our own identity. This construct that we, this personality that we start creating from the moment as little kids we start bumping into that programming, we build a construct around ourselves to navigate through this challenging human experience. The problem with that is, is, is that construct keeps us in our little self. It keeps us in a smaller version of ourselves. It prevents us from feeling where Dick took us in that meditation, that we are spiritual beings attached to something much bigger than what we experience in a, in a human suitcase. It's a separate self. It's the part of us that needs to feel separate from others, which also keeps us feeling separate from spirit and from the truth of our identity. It's the part that says, I'm just human. And it's when we release the belief that I am just human that we can clear space to remember we're actually divine. We are extensions of, creations of, expressions of God. That is one of the most powerful things that unity teaches 
that drew me to this particular pathway. And fully stepping into our divine identity requires us to let go the death hold on that old small self. And that's often a challenging thing for us. But I can tell you, one of the things that I will be bringing to my burning bowl ceremony is littleness, continuing to release my littleness. There's a really beautiful um, quote. I'm sure many of you have heard this. I'm going to read it. It's often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but it's actually Marianne Williamson who um, offers this. And I know you've heard it. I'm going to read most of it, bits and pieces, but just take this in for a second in a meditative space. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light and not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God, and your playing small does not serve the world. We were born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. Mm. There's a term in archaeology called the liminal phase. L-I-M-I-N-A-L, liminal. I think it's the same root as limbo. And it was coined around cultures that have um, very distinct rites of passage rituals, like at a certain age, all the little boys are taken out of the village and they're stripped of boyhood and they go through certain rituals and then come back and are assigned roles as men in the community or young girls training to be midwives are taken out of childhood and away from community before they are um, reintroduced in a new role. The term liminal has now been rolled into, into the realm of psychology. And it's used to describe any time a person gets abruptly knocked out of their old familiar role in community or society. It can happen with the death of a loved one, the loss of a job. It can happen with an illness that prevents us from having the physicality that we had. It can happen with a public shaming. Um, it can happen in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, in our culture, there usually isn't any sort of ritualized support for moving through such a phase. And it's a very, very difficult place for a human psyche to be. And I suspect there are people in this room right now who feel a bit of this liminal phase. Things have been a little turned over from what you thought your trajectory was and you're not quite sure what it's gonna look like when you step into a new solid place in community and society. I have found personally and in working with others going through it, that it, there's a natural tendency to rush it, to hurry, to push, to try to get out of that uncomfortable field of uncertainty and reclaim a, a, a steady position in society. But in this dark time of the year right now is a perfect time to just embrace a bit of release, a bit of uncertainty, a bit of liminality as we start the process of setting goals and thinking about things that we might want in this coming year. It's a transformative time to sit in the liminal phase. You know, if you pull a, a butterfly out of the chrysalis too soon, even if it's alive, it'll never fly. 
because its wings need time to fully develop, and then it needs time to hang there a bit and dry and stretch before it can fly. Pulling ourselves out of our own transitions sometimes can cripple those wings. We have a culture, we live in a culture that's fixated on acquisition. We're just coming through a holiday season, which is all about, you know, for many, gift giving and receiving. But there's tremendous power in the release, in the letting go as well. And often that is what is absolutely necessary for the acquisition of deeper truths and new perspectives. I'm going to share a little story. Um, uh, I got to visit Unity Village for the first time this past summer. I think it was in June, June or July. And I was super excited going into this because I'm on the ministerial path, which is a mind, talk about liminal phase, holy cow, that was an unforeseen thing for me, Kev and I, it's been awesome. But this was my first chance to see, you know, home base, Unity Village, all of that. I was doubly excited because... Um, there was a deadline for all the legal garbage that I have been embroiled in for four and a half years. There was a deadline right before the um, People's Convention at the Village that I thought it was all gonna wrap up. And that day comes, and as had happened over and over again, everything got delayed again. And I was just crestfallen and tired and I get on the plane to head to the village and not in the headspace that I wanted to be in. And I got there and, you know, I really was um, frustrated and troubled and down and not, not, not in an open spiritual place of faith and joy. So I spent the first half a day there mostly by myself. I walked the grounds. They're beautiful for anyone who ever gets a chance to go to Unity Village. I highly encourage it. Um, I spent some time in the little, tiny, quiet, antique Myrtle Fillmore um, prayer chapel. And then I discovered the Unity 12 Powers Walk. And it's a garden that goes circular around their water tower, and it's got a little statue and a station um, uh, for each of the 12 powers. And I'm walking, and I'm scuffing, and I'm pissy, and I'm this, you know, I'm walking the garden, you know. And I come up to release. Do, did, Matthew, did you get that little slide? To release, and I'm going to read what this says in a minute. But this is the statue in the Unity Village 12 Powers Garden, and I just looked at it, and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm letting go of the frustration. I'm letting go my fixation on what I think the timeline of all these challenges should be. I'm just letting it go. And I shook it off, read this, walked on around, and landed in faith. And I literally sat down in front of the faith thing. Regrouped, went on, had an off awesome People's Convention, delivered a good little workshop on the Earth Care program that I'm involved in. All of that had a, had a wonderful time, totally validated the ministerial path that I've been on. It just felt great. I get ready to head home, dying to get home. So many of us who live in Central Oregon have the good fortune of loving to go places and then loving to come back. And that's where I was, and I get to the airport. There's not much at the Kansas City airport. I get to the airport, my flight is delayed many hours. 
And um, I'm like, crap. So I go to the bar, you know. Uh, <laughs> and the cool thing was the U.S. women's soccer team just was playing, which I love. I would have missed that. So it was cool, too. I was the only wo woman. The bar was filled. I was the only woman in the whole bar watching the, the women's soccer team. All the rest were men. And they were totally into it. It was a neat experience. So I watched that, and I've got my laptop out, and I'm clearing off emails and whatever, and I get a phone call from an attorney. I hadn't expected this phone call. He hadn't expected to make it. All of the legal stuff had cleared. It was all done. While I had released it and gone about my people's convention, all the rest of the challenges cleared up, and I got to drive home with that sense of elation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks. It feels like a long time ago, but it actually wasn't now that I think about it. So I mentioned that I work a lot now with A Course in Miracles, and I want to read one of my very favorite passages out of the Course. It says, Simply do this. Be still and lay aside all thoughts of what you are and what God is. All concepts you have learned about the world, all images you hold about yourself. Empty your mind of everything it thinks is either true or false, good or bad, of every thought it judges worthy, and all the ideas of which it is ashamed. Hold on to nothing. Do not bring one thought the past has taught, nor one belief you ever learned before from anything. Forget this world, forget this course and come with holy, empty hands unto your God. The power of release is meant to be gentle. It's an allowing. It's not a forcing. It's a letting go rather than a punishing of anything. It's a cleansing. I learned from Jane, uh, Reverend Hyatt, in a workshop oh, a couple years ago, the concept of when we're, when we're making changes in ourself, when we're wanting to release aspects of ourselves, instead of exorcising them, it's loving them. What are, what, how have they served us? And I'll give you an example, as you all may be thinking about aspects of ourselves we want to release as we move into a new year and a new decade. I had had a lifelong challenge with scarcity thinking and with... The frustration around that, even when I had times when I was making really good money, I would have get into scarcity thinking. And it was something that I had tried to exorcise out of myself my whole life. And I suddenly realized, I took a moment to say, well, gosh, you know, how has this thing served me? The truth is, I've been lucky to be very successful in lots and lots of ways. And had it not been for my ongoing wrestling match with scarcity illusion, I never would have gone as deep spiritually. I never would have done the work to develop the riches that I have in other areas. And almost everything in our lives, even the bad habits that we want to let go of, that we should let go of, serve us in a certain way. And I find it's a lot more effective to honor and respect those. Give them a little love as we send them out the door. When we surrender our limiting perspectives, our limiting way of thinking, we open up whole new spaces for new and higher perspectives to flow in. 
again, before I just wrap here, um, I want to remind everyone for the, I guess, 12th time now, the burning bowl ceremony is fantastic. It's very private. There's no proclamations of what you're releasing. But there's also a communal support that comes through the ritual. And then um, Matthew had it up earlier. Um, I'm going to, on January 18th, I believe, I'm going to be doing a workshop here on making 2020 a breakthrough year. It's going to take some of this stuff and then go forward. It's not about resolutions. It's more about kind of a strategic plan for our lives. And there's a discount to Unity members, by the way, a little perk. If you're not really a Unity member, think about it. Um, and then finally, just to wrap, I want to actually read what is on, I've given Matthew um, quite the headache with the slides here today. <laughs> We're really making it up as we go on this one. But on that release statue is a placard. And here is what it says, and I offer this as a prayer for all of us. I release my past, the fears and cares. I let go of the struggle and strife. I surrender to this moment. I open to the divine flow of life. So as we step into a new year and a new decade, may we each do so with spaciousness, cleansed of what no longer serves us, open vessels to really recognize and receive more light and shine it more brightly upon ourselves and out into our world. Thank you and happy new year. <laughs>